0: This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking greyhound and first cow. Check your cows on deck? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction! We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast, which is Abe and I discussing new movies and more weekly... We dig into movies via a mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 412, 412. 412? Uh, That feels like an
1: Illinois area code. (laughs) Now we play that game where we look up 412. Pittsburgh? Kinda close. Pittsburgh, that's what it is? Yeah, it's Pittsburgh.
0: I like how you said oh, yeah. that. Now, already looking it up, so we save time uh, in this. Part. Yeah, yeah, that's good. No,
1: I, I, I looked it up. Uh, I didn't look it up beforehand. I just looked it up now. But you know, just quick on the Twitter fingers. Yeah,
0: good. Well, Pittsburgh. Hello. Um, go Pirates. Go Pirates. <laughs> uh, this week we're talking. We got another double episode actually. Here we're talking Greyhound, the Tom Hanks war film, and First Cow, the Kelly Reichardt western. And joining us to discuss both of these movies, we have from Fast Film Reviews, back from raiding his neighbor's farm for a fresh jug of milk, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. Mark, it's good to have you back here. How are you doing?
2: I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to be back and uh, excited to talk about these films. Have you been nice. okay embracing our our non-summer movie season? I mean, I would like to em- <laughs> embrace you know some of these films, but uh, I've been finding films, and we're going to talk about two of them today. I've been finding films to uh, entertain me, and uh, there is still there's still stuff out there you know to to enjoy. I, I do totally. not disagree yeah. with you. So, yeah. A lot of rewatching for sure. We we
0: haven't been doing quickies. Mm mm damn thank you in a long time but there's certainly a lot <laughs> uh-huh. of things i could bring up if we were let me just tell you <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah totally i mean i could talk to you all day about uh,
1: the writer let's <laughs> <laughs> watch the writer
0: now <laughs> i i just watched it recently again this last week <laughs> it was on sale on voodoo nice all right well let's uh, let's get into some announcements real quick some show notes um first up our commentary track for jaws is available on itunes and everywhere you can find our show it was a lot of fun and that is the track for July. We will be coming up with a new plan for August in the coming weeks, so be prepared for one there. Speaking of which...
2: J- yeah. Jaws is also one of the recent box office hits. Yeah, yes. Indeed. <laughs> Just, you know, throwing that out there.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Strange times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's our commentary track for the month, and we'll have a new one coming next month as well um speaking of which all of that's on itunes where you can also review and rate our show if you want to log on itunes search right now there in Abe. you can find our show and you can give us a possibly a star rating interview that'd be great please give us all the five stars so yeah that's it that's it for show notes let's move on let's get to the other topic we do before we get to the main movies of the week what we would have talked about were things to not be so different as they are this year And this would have been a big week, and Mark, you probably would have been on this episode also, we would have talked about Tenet this week. Oh, Everything went to, uh, according to plan, Christopher Nolan's latest film, which is allegedly coming out in August. I have severe doubts about that, but we'll see what happens. But regardless, Mark,
2: I don't think I need to ask this question, but were you (laughs) excited
0: to see Christopher Nolan's latest film?
2: Um, yes. (laughs) I mean, that's it's got to be one of the most anticipated films of the year. And it's also supposed to be the film that sort of ushers in audiences back into theater. So there's a lot riding on this film. And I have no doubt that when it does come out, and I do suspect it will be later than the current release date, it will be spectacular. I, I, I have every faith in Christopher Nolan. Abe, how about you?
1: Yeah, I, I'm pretty certain that I would have been thrilled to see it in its large format screening with an audience that may or may not have ruined it for me. Because mm-hmm. you know how my my screenings in IMAX go, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. So uh,
0: I I would have been excited, of course. Yeah, no, no, uh, no uh, differences in opinion there. I mean, Tenant is one that I'm very much looking forward to specifically on an IMAX screen and I look forward to doing that probably next year <laughs> so we'll see what <laughs> happens <laughs> um, we, we never know I, mean, I I mean yeah I, I just <laughs> there's no <laughs> there, there's, I just August it just makes me laugh like yeah that's what that's what's going to happen Wow, but, um, August already I know it's we're, we're we're at the other half of July <laughs> so, I know yeah and let me tell you, speaking of IMAX screens, there was that like, high-res picture of Godzilla vs. Kong that came out on the interwebs, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's another thing that I, I cannot wait to see. But I will, because I'm responsible. So there we go. Um, let's, um, Well, that's what we would have talked about. We would have talked about Tenet and all that came with it, and probably did a second episode to talk about even more about Tenet in spoiler mode. But that's going to have to wait. But this week, it's okay, because we have two films to talk about, one of them being Greyhound. Congratulations on your command. be looking for you leaving even if i'm a thousand miles away air escort to greyhound you will now be out of range of air cover for the next five days safe travels to england how many crossings does this make this is my
2: first i got some most likely you both he's trying to slip under us fire We have a kill. Distress rocket, sir. We have hits directly on the convoy.
0: The wolf bag's us. you U-belt
2: starboard bound!
0: That should have been some of the trailer for Greyhound. In addition to being America's dad, Tom Hanks is a great big history nerd. He may love his typewriters, but he also has a lot of knowledge in regards to World War II, which has factored into a number of his projects. With Greyhound, Hanks has adapted the novel The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester, the author behind The African Queen and the Horatio Hornblower series. This story focuses on Commander Ernie Krauss, a devout man who is captaining a World War II Navy destroyer, attempting to escort a convoy of Allied ships through an area of the Atlantic known as the Black Pit. To be successful, this Greyhound will have to fend off a group of German U-boats known as the Wolfpack. Mark... Did this film
2: sink or swim? <laughs> uh, so I will say it, it swam. Um, it's it's yet another decidedly old-fashioned World War Two drama. Uh, we've had a lot of those. And this one stars Tom Hanks, uh, who also actually wrote the screenplay. And I, I think he is great at playing decent, honorable men. And he's definitely showcasing those qualities here. Um, he's even like shown kneeling in prayer at the end of the day and uh, when he's uh, going about his daily routine um i think the interesting thing about the character that he's playing is that he's a little bit out of his element as a captain uh, the rest of the crew have seen battle before so they're very knowledgeable about that sort of uh, uh environment mm-hmm. uh and then he as a captain kraus he uh, has a lot more years on these men but he's less familiar with combat and so that inexperience in this area sort of plays an interesting part of the story. I think the film is very respectable and it's very sincere and, and its heart is in the right place. Uh, I just wish the narrative had been a little bit more compelling. Uh, I think you get a very immersive feel for the day-to-day routine of these men. I think the screenplay is really chock full of like the jargon and the minutia. Jargon's of, a
0: good word, yeah.
2: Yeah, of like the naval tactics. In fact, uh. I, I, I did this for Hamilton as well. But about 20 minutes in, I said, you know, I'm going to turn on the closed captioning because <laughs> I really want to, like, understand the words. I think you can yeah. let the words go by. You could still, I mean, it, the story is fairly simple. So if you don't catch everything, it's not important. But it, I started. It was building... a little
0: intense when Tom Hanks and Thomas Kretschmann, the voice of some of the U-boats, was battle rapping back and forth between each other. Like, that was that was a little, you know, <laughs> those those was a little high.
2: Yeah. It was weird that they were addressing the audience and bring the fourth wall. Yeah. They're throwing so much narrative down in those scenes, Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I, so I think uh, you, uh, you get an immersive feel for the movie, and uh, you, you don't need to have closed captionings. Um, but uh, the, the battle scenes, those are really the best part of the film. And I think they are very well filmed and effective. And so, it, because of those battle scenes, I'm really give, I'm giving this movie a pass. I mean, I, I'm giving it a thumbs up. Uh, I think it's a spectacle. The only the only thing I can lament is that it really would have been significantly better in the theater on a on a big screen.
0: Abe, how about you? What do you think of Greyhound?
2: You know,
1: Greyhound is a very interesting movie because of all the things that Mark said. But I'd also like to to give it kudos for a lot of its technical aspects. So. You know, I think that the way that they designed um, the ships and the way that they had the the costumes and the way that they designed like the nighttime elements of things that that was really well done. And obviously, these things don't really exist anymore unless they they rebuilt these thing, uh, these ships from World War II. Um, but uh, they do a lot of really cool things at nighttime that that I I thought was compelling, um, whether that's narratively and or just what you're seeing on the screen. I think that it really suffers from what Mark mentioned, which is that it's it's the driving force behind it. The narration of the movie, like the the entire conceit of the movie is just very weak. And I kept on thinking to myself, you know, what makes a good movie like this? uh, Like what makes it super compelling? It's either you get a lot of storylines about the person that you're following, you know, the hero in this in this regard, or you get to know the enemy as well. Right. And unfortunately, you don't really get either of them in this movie. I mean, uh, Elizabeth Shue shows up for like a, a hot minute, uh, <laughs> which is great because she looks great. Um, But at the same time, like, you know, I don't really know how that delves into anything aside from really what happens like 30 I, seconds into the movie. Right.
2: I think they, they filmed her like she almost has a halo around her. She's like,
1: beaming. yeah, <laughs> it, it was a beautiful sequence, too, because they have this like. Uh, they have all these Christmas lights around it, and so you just re- have this really nice, like, bouquet of light in the background. But the other part about it is, like, the, this enemy element, and this enemy element, it's it's very... I think that they, they're asking you to... Tom Hanks, I guess, in this case, the, the, who wrote it, he's asking you to really give a lot, which is to say... Um, or, I, I'm sorry, accept a lot, which is to say that it's World War II, you know that the Germans are bad. But you get these side parts where there's a voice that comes over the radio and that just does nothing for me, even though it's supposed to elicit a sense of fear and a sense of like, of chess chessmanship. I don't even know what the term is, um, but it just doesn't really work out. So I think what's really great about this movie is that it just goes and there's, there's never a lull. And so uh, when it it's doing that, it captures your attention enough and Mark, is totally right, too, in terms of the jargon. I loved all that stuff, like, you know, hard ride over rudder, or whatever the case is. Um, that's great and all, but I think the other the other aspect of it is that visually I just couldn't really get to see it all the time. Like, they don't really do a lot of overhead shots, which is, when they do it, it it's for dramatic effect of torpedoes and then also for um, uh, how closely things are, are going. But unfortunately, it just doesn't really work out. And, and I think my last, like, nitpick of it is... I don't understand like the breakdown of the storyline like I it's broken down into watches right so I don't know why you have to fade to black and then reset the day it's the same continuous 40 hours um and so that was like the unfortunate part cuz there's a great sequence where there's all these distress signals going up and then they cut to f- they fade to black and I was like uh, this battle is just gonna keep going. Like, there's no need for us to fade to black to know that there's like a shift change. It just keeps going, and so I I just didn't understand some of those elements of it. But beyond that, it's like it it. it Margaret, I'm gonna pick back up for you again. I do think that it's a it's a wholesome character because Tom Hanks is a wholesome guy. But beyond that, there's just not a whole lot that really compels me to say, wow, this is one of the best World War II movies of all time or this is like a, a great sea submarine warfare movie it's like you know there's more drama in crimson tide which is just about people uh, and mutiny or uh, *Das boot or *Das boot or like k-19 the widowmaker or any no, other not k-19 the Widowmaker*.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> or u-573 or whatever the case is but in yeah. any case um I, i'd love to hear your thoughts aaron
0: i um I want to get back to some of the things you said, such as The faith of Black, because I don't disagree with a lot of what either of you are saying. I do like the movie overall. I just also think it suffers in certain ways. But I mean, one point that you brought up is the idea of what makes a good movie as far as this is concerned, and, bring, and talking about either like having expanded character depth or getting to know the enemy. I mean, I didn't mention this film in my review that I wrote up for Greyhound, but I'll mention it now. I mean, a film that doesn't have deep characters or a much of a look at the enemy is dunkirk i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's a much better movie i think there's more going on as far as narrative structure i mean the editing in that film rightfully won an oscar for a reason but i i can't i don't i'm not faulting the film for what it doesn't have in this scenario because i don't think it's going for that i think that's very obvious i i do think tom hanks has a character he's playing and while it's not the most you know deep character study of this man, I do think you get a lot out of him. I think he clearly, you know, wanted to have a challenge on himself of how to both honor the Navy as well as play somebody that is more than just a stern captain. He's, as we've mentioned, he's a religious man, and he he, he expresses that, you know, uh, quite quite clearly as far as... How he you know chooses to pray on the ship, or you know knocks people for using language and what have you, or just the way he presents <laughs> himself, and like some symbolic things like such as him never taking a hot meal throughout the movie because his job isn't done yet. Like there's some stuff like that that I think is interesting, mm-hmm. um, and I completely agree with Mark and you as far as. The dialogue here, I love the jargon. I love it's almost like a David Mamet screenplay as far as you just kind of go with the rhythm. It doesn't matter that you don't understand every single detail of what's going on. You get a sense of what's happening just based off how familiar everybody seems to be with the language being being um, spoken. Um, all of those elements worked for me, and I really like how the film. And I didn't see this coming, even though you know when I turned it on, it's like, oh, this is ninety minutes. Um, it's right. all killer, no filler, right? I mean, there's right. there's no fat on this, and I'm not sure if that's a result of Cutting things out of the film, or if that was just the design all along, but I don't know what you would add back into this movie that would suddenly either improve it or felt like it was diluting the quality of the picture. So, you know, props to whoever was in charge, whether it was Tom Hanks' screenplay or just the you know the the filmmaking process that led to a film of this length. At the same time, yes, I mean it doesn't it doesn't have the things that escalated into the upper tier of World War II dramas, but watching Tom Hanks' Greyhound on Apple Plus didn't make me think, well, I bet there I am gonna get the best World War II movie there is. I mean, it mm-hmm. it works as a perfectly functional dad movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like I watched this with my dad and he thought it was okay also. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> it, it it it's it's suitable for the kind of audience that is going to watch this movie on TV. And now I'm Mark, I think I, it's and I'll, I think I, it's a visual spectacle too. Like I do, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I mean, yeah, it, it has, think a, it, it has well a lower. Done. It has a lower budget. I, I I get that, so I'm not expecting like the creme de la creme of visual effects. But I do think, sure. especially for my TV, like I understand, Mark, you saying you want you would like to see this on the big screen. I think because of the limitations it has on a budgetary level, it's not you know a 200 million dollar action movie. It's 50 million, I believe. I think it actually works better because you are only seeing it on your TV. Like you're it's not, not blown up to. Yeah, like, you're you're not seeing the you're not you're not being able to see the flaws, I guess, and right. CG water and ship effects. That said, I do think, from based on, purely on the fact that I watch it on you know my TV, it looked pretty good. <laughs> like I, I can't argue. with that. Sure.
1: And I, I do want to add that the the I think the sound design is actually really good too. Um, if you yeah. listen to this in stereo or I'm sorry in in surround sound with like a sub. It actually sounds really good. Uh, so good job on the technical aspects of it.
2: And just to add to what we've sort of been saying about the screenplay, it, it the fact that he does throw a lot of jargon, and it's not important to really understand it all, but you still get a feel for their day-to-day operations. It uh, I don't know it respects the audience. Like it, sure. it, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. talk down to them. So you feel like oh okay he's he's accepting that even though I'm not a naval expert, I can still appreciate what these men are doing and and saying. Yeah, I think yeah. you you get enough in the,
0: I guess the um the staging of certain scenes of how people are reacting to these things and what they're doing in correspondence to the you know actions being said to them. Like it all, I never felt myself lost in the you know, the, the, the naval pre- preparedness of the film. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everyone was doing things that made sense to me. And like, I get what these things are saying. Um, yeah. And as, as far as, as speaking of, I mean, characters besides Tom Hanks, like, yes, there's not a lot of like supporting <sighs> players that really stand out, but there, you know, there are two that are specifically cast because they're recognizable phases. One Stephen sure. Graham, who's like the first mate, I guess. Um, I could probably look that up and be more specific. He's, He's the lieutenant like commander. Lieutenant commander yeah. You know, <laughs> He's an executive officer. And then mm-hmm. there's Rob, the great Rob Morgan, who I've been enjoying in many films of late, um, who, who plays a, a mess attendant. Um, and it, right. like, it's by design that you feel certain ways for how things happen to certain characters. And I get that. And it's practically a war movie cliche in the way it's handled. But at the same time, people come and do their job. And I appreciated that they, they did what was required of them. I don't think there's any, even if I'm not getting deeper characterization, sure. I do think there's solid characters in the moments that we get with some of these people.
2: Yeah, um, Abe, you mentioned the voice on the radio, the the German, that is kind Mm -hmm. of like taunting them. I Actually, I sort of – I guess I sort of enjoyed that because it was almost lighthearted. It's a little bit hammy, but (laughs) it was so out of context to everything else. The film is a pretty serious film, but the sort of taunts and the things that he's saying – I thought, oh, this is sort of funny. It's like he's taunting them and I, I didn't mind that. I don't yeah. I don't know how you guys felt about yeah, that. Yeah, I I didn't mind it. I, did. I, I, but...
1: I did enjoy it quite a bit because I, again it gave me some something to put with the name of the German U boats that were attacking them. They have great they have great like, you know, um design on I don't know what you would call it, like their their call or sign. Insignia. Yeah, the German U boat right. insignia, like those are really cool to see. A, the great wolf, like, I guess. Yeah, as they as they rise up in the water and they're like, hey, he's coming up for air, and then he like it starts to to uh, descend again. And so those are great, but I think the the thing about it is, I did find it unique and I found it fun and kind of like hammy. I, I agree with you on the hamminess because he starts howling in them too, right. um, which is fun, but I think if that they there was a the
2: channel, you know?
1: Yeah, and there just wasn't a sense of menace is what I was getting for, and so, because at the end of the day, I was like, well, it's clear that Tom Hanks is gonna, is gonna
0: uh, be able to, to get these guys, right? I mean, yeah, as, so, as I recall, we won the war, so I'm just, yeah, oh, <laughs> you know, wow, we probably got there. I, oh.
2: <laughs> I don't know oh, to Spoiler alert. <laughs> no,
1: but Aaron, you brought up a really interesting point, which is because the I didn't know what the budget was, but if you, it was like 50 million, mm-hmm. that's actually really. It looks good for 50 million. I'm yeah. Now that you mentioned it, mm-hmm. um, and like for what they did in the movie, it it's actually not bad for a 50 million dollar movie in today's standards. That's relatively low, but. Like for what they did, it actually looks good. And I, I think the other part that I want to bring up is well, curious, just,
0: to, just to tap into that real yeah. quick. I think that comes from, you know, the, the what's involved in this. I mean, you have a ship and some subs and a lot of it's not practical. So it's a lot sure. of visual right. effects and you have one main actor. You know, there's not an ensemble cast you have to pay to use in this movie. There are some recognizable sure. people, but they're not demanding five million to ten million dollars to be in the movie. Right. It's, yeah. And <laughs> Hanks probably even took a pay cut. So. I mean, this is a, this is a, clearly a passion project from Hanks. Yeah. So it's like yeah, uh, he, whatever he's doing, it's not, you know, so we can charge Sony a bunch of money to be in. it. So. Right. Uh,
1: but the other part about it is I I don't know if this is because they were limited on budget or what have you, but. What I also just didn't realize until you started talking about it was they never cut away. they don't they don't go to any of the other boats. Yeah, it's just on this boat, which mm-hmm. I think is actually a really unique thing to have happen because again, I, I guess I was so immersed in it that I didn't realize it would never cut to like the dickey or it actually never goes any other like even the boats that are in distress when they're gonna go and try and save these dudes that are that are swimming in the water never cuts away it's just always on the boat so that's
0: actually very unique yeah the point of view is the greyhound you're not seeing anything else and like there's some i mean there's other specifically submarine movies that yes they cut away to other things at times Mm but that i mean one of the things that work about sub movies in particular is the claustrophobic nature of them right right? so you're you're always enclosed in a certain space and something like i don't know hunt for red october yeah you get a mix of things because that's just the nature of that book and movie but with this yeah you're very much glued specifically on hanks too you're not even getting other like officer perspectives on the right, ship right you're always with hanks throughout this movie um and i, I imagine that's very much a part of the novel i, mean, I don't know if it's a first person perspective or what have you but i i i'd be fairly certain that the novel functions in a similar way um, but regardless of that yeah i do think there i mean the things you're talking about as far as like the german voiceover and you know some of the di- like just dialogue and things like that those are things that make it into like a B movie essentially, right? Like you have an <laughs> you have an A you have an A-list actor sure. in a movie that's just kind of automatically lesser because it's not trying to do much more than what it's attempting. It so it and it's and it's old fat. Mark you mentioned this, it's a kind of an old-fashioned World War 2 picture in that way. And not all of those movies are the ones that, you know, go on to win the Oscar. They're just like cool action movies that you remember from the past, and that seems like what this is largely trying to function as. mm mm-hmm. Mhm other thoughts on on great you know what okay another thing yeah, that got is. me was the score um which my dad also specifically commented on it's and not that it's great i think it's very very present i guess is the way i could put it like the the emotions you're supposed to feel are very much hit at in the score constantly to the point of being overbearing i thought mm. I, I do think it kind of hits you with like this like you need to feel this way because this this you know, the, the strings are playing like this right now a lot of that kind of sure. throughout the film
1: yeah I, I I do want to say one thing, not to be a downer, but when Blake you get to
2: the – is the is the uh, is composer, by the way. Composer. Um
1: But not to be a downer, but when you get to the end there, and they're showing you the dialogue of what happened uh, across this, you know, this journey from uh, between the Atlantic Ocean, and they showed the number of people that that perished on that uh, oh. that channel. Unfortunately, my brain went to like today. like COVID 19 times and i was like wow that that number is still smaller than the number of us americans that have died because of covid and it's i don't know i i know that it's supposed to be a jarring number of like hey you know i think it was like 70 some odd thousand people died in across crossing this atlantic during world war ii to try and get supplies to the uk and i was like wow this really is a bummer that 120 some odd thousand people have died in the u.s because of COVID. So
0: anyway that's just like a huge tangent aside i mean yes but the, the, like, there's a there's a down element in thinking specifically that way i don't disagree yeah um and i i guess i do want to emphasize just how hanks really i think he's just really trying to be like hey this is a this is a thing that i found to be quite interesting as far as the sure. situation <laughs> and he wanted to pay tribute to the people that did you know serve and, and go down in the you know in the midst of trying to you know fight tyranny
2: oh and then also i mean tom hanks you know he's great at playing captains you know Mm -hmm. call back even he's not the captain (laughs) right (laughs) so just yeah i mean he is the fact that he's in the film really helps a lot because one a lot of people you know love tom hanks and they want to see him and i think he is good in the role so yeah, he's not I mean yeah. again, it's his passion project. I see I see him like
0: wanting to be involved in the, I mean, he's never phoning it in. Like it's not topics. <laughs> I mean but but you don't like you don't need to do much with him as far as establishing who he like even the early scene you mentioned with Elizabeth Shue, it's like all right, I get i get what's going on with this guy and he's tom hanks he brings authority with him automatically so <laughs> yeah i was and, gonna yeah, say that dad-ness. he brings like instant credibility yeah um and so you just like him right away so to to speak on the oh we haven't talked i mean we talked about there's a lot of it and it's good but the action in this movie i do i do want to support that as well the action in this sure. movie is pretty cool mainly because like you don't see too much ship on sub battles right i mean you see that like in moderation when it comes to like i don't know like something Pearl Harbor related or Midway where there's like, there's a missile in the water, but it's like the the focus isn't on how the ship's handling all of this. This is a movie where you're seeing tactics on display. You're seeing how you deal with subs that are attacking you and how you make like hard turns at the last moment or, you know, try to avoid one torpedo, but another one's coming from another direction. Like those are cool things to see because I don't see that kind of naval action all that often.
2: And I, I think this is the, an era where you could outsteer, a torpedo. It wasn't heat see- seeking or something. There was mm-hmm. one part where I thought, well, wouldn't the torpedo just turn? But I guess they were able to turn the ship and it would just go off on a tangent or whatever. So I, it's a different era. Yeah, it yeah. plays into that low fineness, even though there's
0: obviously technology involved. But it's you know, there aren't, there's not GPS location devices or what have you. You're using old-fashioned radars and sonar right. and, and and line of sight. Right? So it's yeah. like,
1: that's which, cool. which is actually, uh-huh. like, I think we we talked about a lot of care and craft in the details and you know hanks puts that into the movie i mean there's a part where it's like hey i'm getting some fuzzy matching it's like hey do not you just restart it's like well if we restarted we're gonna lose two hours and i was like yeah, that's a lot of time because <laughs> <laughs> i'm used to restarting my computer and it's like 30 seconds but
0: it's like yeah i guess in 1941 it would be two hours and, and even and- something something as simple as like you need the window wipers to work so he can see out the boat. Like and that's they're <laughs> wiping. <by> the way. <laughs> right. yeah. It's like, I, yeah, well, it's I wet. The, There's, I, ne- I need to see, I can't see yeah. from just a screen.
2: I need to look outside. <laughs> and when they're plotting, of course, the men are using compasses and, and, uh, you know, paper and, uh-huh. and drawing lines and things like that. I mean, I don't know what they do today, but I'm sure it's, it's much more advanced. Right. I thought about the same thing too, with just
1: the way that they were calculating or they're just navigating and seafaring. And, um, I think one of the things, Aaron, you talked about the action. I did really like the way that they used the depth charges.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And not so much that of what the action of the instrument is. More just that they didn't have to feel as though they needed to go underground or underwater and be like, well, here's the effects of them. It's like, no, we're an above ground. We're an Mm -hmm. above uh, water ship. We don't have we probably don't have the budget to shoot these things underwater. Like only a few scenes are seen underwater with like where things blow up. But, you know, I, I appreciate that they had restraint in not trying to go over the top. Because during this movie, you mentioned uh, a couple other th- of films where I, 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 you know, I think about a movie like, oh, you mentioned Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. I thought about that movie, too, when they're using, like, these giant cannons on their on their uh, ship. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, the way that they used it with Cuba Gooding Jr. And they, they they raised the score. And then Michael Bay is just like, let's just make this super dramatic. It's like. Nah, man, these guys are just fighting out here. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, there's these young guys, but like, hey, I can't get, like, the right angle because, like, now we're, I've exceeded the angle at which this gun can turn. So Tom X is just like, just fire as far as you can and until as, as long as you can. And I was like, this is, this is great uh, sea warfare.
0: It establishes stakes too when it comes to like those depth charges where they mention like how many they have and you and you know there's no refills. there's not a video game. You can't reload yeah. it. You're like you need. It's like we need to be wise about some of these actions. So there's, and there's, and their fuel consumption as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very much so. So I mean, there's, you know, I I it. On that level, on that like we're making a war action movie that's all about the action, I think it handles that well. To sure. to, to go to go back to what you mentioned earlier about like you know cuts to phase the black and things like that, I I can't say that I I agree with you for the most part. I can't say the movie like lost me narratively like I knew it was yeah. happening, but I do. I I'm with you as far as I, I get that you need like a break in the movie somehow, but sometimes yeah, it just feels a little bit like. I don't, I don't know what that was supposed to mean exactly, but okay, I guess <laughs> sure. we're just taking a breather for a second. I, it just a bit confusing. I'll mention that the director, his name is Aaron Schneider. He directed Get Low back in 2009. That was a movie of Robert Duvall and Bill Murray and Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drifts, Lucas Haas. And, uh, uh, Lucas Black, sorry. and um, There's too many Lucases. Um, hey, who is Lucas Haas? <laughs> Lucas Haas is from Witness. And is he Witness? Brick, okay. Brick. Yeah. He's the pin. He's the pin and Brick. He's he's the one that betrays uh, Leo and Jiggles in uh, Inception at the beginning. <laughs> Inception, yeah. He gets thrown from the helicopter. Yeah. yeah, he has that dramatic shot where he's like, no! Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying about Lucas Black's f- the film that he starred in, directed by Eric Schneider, who directed this movie. I, I mean, I get this is his first movie since then, and that movie's like a comedy drama set in a landlocked area. So I guess Tom Hanks just saw something in this and was like, <laughs> this, guy, this guy knows what he's going to do here. <laughs> um, <laughs> or he just needed somebody that could follow the orders of tom hanks who wrote the film and didn't seem to want to direct it himself i guess i i I don't know and i don't want to i don't want to be presumptuous about the talent he was Schneider. easily
2: manipulated
0: i i don't want to be the presumptuous <laughs> about schneider's abilities from what i saw the movie came out well enough so i mean yeah. he did the job that was required sure. for him. um i just wanted to mention it because yeah. we mentioned a lot about tom hanks and there was someone that directed this movie so there you uh, go. Any other thoughts on uh, on Greyhound? I think we've covered a lot here. Mm-mm. Well, um, this movie is currently <laughs> available on Apple TV Plus. When should people see? Should they should they hop on to Apple right away and get that subscription or whatever and check it out? Should they uh, wait a while on it, or so uh, you know, not bother? You know, on our on that scale,
1: I would say that you don't have to hop on to Apple TV Plus right away. I think on our old scale, I would say that it's an HBO movie, so it's just like when you're when it's ready to be streamed more more uh on different channels like i don't know what to to call it um then that's when you can go and check it out
0: when it's in in syndication
1: syndication yeah
2: i would agree that you can wait however i will say to listeners who feel like hollywood doesn't make traditional or classic you know films anymore or or that kind of thing or or they have a a favorite you know uh, like they think World War II genres, or maybe Tom Hanks is is something they really enjoy. To those people, I would say, yeah, you should probably watch this film Mm because I think they would really enjoy it. And I and and again, I'm giving it a positive review. Just I I had qualifications. Sure, I agree
0: with you guys. I do think there's an audience for this, and that audience will probably be satisfied with what they're getting here. Uh, So I mean, that's the best way I can rate it. And I I guess in the kind of the, the Tom Hanks World War II canon. I do like that he's exploring the Atlantic. Like that's not something we see very often, right? We see mm-hmm. the Pacific a lot. Right. Um, so it's neat to see a kind of a naval film focused on this period of time in this part of the world. So I mean, there's there's something refreshing about that, and I'd say that's worth seeing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, well that was our review of Greyhound. Let's get into some some Greyhound focused feedback real quick here. Feedback, feedback,
2: feedback.
0: Abe, hey, you want to start this one off? Sure. The first question is, uh, who's your favorite movie captain?
1: Chris writes, Captain John Miller. I think uh, Hanks has a theme. Quint and Steve Zoo, And lastly, uh, Maxwell has Quint, uh, John Miller, and Picard, and Captain Crunch. Classics.
0: all, yeah, of them. Classics. all good
1: All good men. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite movie captains?
2: Uh, captain America.
0: Bang. Captain America's America. Captain Captain America is certainly uh, my chosen choice as well. And Quint, yes, Quint is a great one. I like the I mean, do you like him pre-screaming or, or when he screams? You mean when he's facing the agony of the worst possible thing that could happen to him <laughs> happening to him? No, I like the saltier and version. Alive? Yeah. I, like the ver- I like the singing version of Quint. <laughs> yeah, you know, drunk Quint is the best. All right, next question we have here. What are your favorite films that take place primarily on the water? Chris writes Big Wednesday and The Big Blue. Jeffrey writes Jaws, though I suppose it may be largely on land. If underwater counts, The Abyss. Scott mm. writes On the Waterfront. It's clever. <coughs> uh, Jim Dietz, friend of the show, writes Lifeboat, Das Boot, and Waterworld. Justin writes Hunt for Red October and U-571. Maxwell it friend of the show, writes Jaws, Master and Commander, Crimson Tide, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, and Titanic. My lovely girlfriend, Anna, writes, The Master and a Commander at the Far Side of the World. And Catherine writes, On Golden Pond is the first that comes to mind. Deep Blue Sea is next. Hmm. Favorite films taking place primarily on the water. I mean, you got to throw Finding Nemo in there. Finding Nemo is a perfectly good answer for me, that's for sure. Uh,
2: Life of Pi. Yeah. Life of Pi, yeah. And A Whale Rider. I love that film.
0: Ooh.
2: I haven't
1: thought about that movie in a while, but it always makes me sad. The director of Mulan. Um, is that true?
0: Yeah, Nicky Carroll. Well, we'll, we'll see it in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Steve Zissou was mentioned earlier, so I will say The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Yep.
2: Oh, you mentioned uh, Funny Nemo, another uh, animated film, The Little Mermaid.
0: Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. Prince Eric. Eric. A lot of that movie takes place
2: under the sea. <laughs> Life is much better. Down where it's wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> Are we just gonna do the all different parts? <laughs> <words? laughs>
0: Pretty good, flounder. All
1: right. I uh, I, I do want to I, I do want to
0: ask. Is this? I mean, would you say that crawl is in like? Yeah, that takes place I, mostly in water. It's constantly raining and they're in water throughout that movie. Okay, because sure. it's, it's a I, wet
1: I guess film. Everyone's thinking like oceans here, and I was like, crawl is kind of just like in like an inlet in Florida. So I'll, I'll, I'll do, do you one better, anaconda. There snakes out are that big? There snakes out
0: there that big? <laughs> there are out there that big.
1: <laughs> John John Voight turns in a great performance. Uh, it's a real win. Oh yeah. Yeah. The next question is: Greyhound is on Apple TV Plus. What streaming service, if any, have you been using mostly to watch these uh, movies in past several months? Maxwell Friends Joe has: I found HBO Max to have a really nice selection and Shutter. Uh, Justin has my Plex server. It's weird I have Hulu, Disney Plus, Shutter, Netflix, and Quibi. And I use my own movie server. Is that odd? You know, come say, come say, to each their own. Uh, and lastly, Chris has Shudder and Netflix. Man, a lot of Shudder love.
0: Yeah, no, a lot of people like their horror in the summer, I guess. Yeah. And because, you know, we're in a horror landscape right now. for the. World. I was going to say, horror is huge
2: this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask that question, though, because I was curious, and I wanted to call back to the episode. Um, Abe, you unfortunately missed out on the, uh, yeah. the one where we talked about the Vast of Night and then streaming services and, you know, the ones that they have to offer. Um, but yeah, I, I, I it is curious to see which ones are kind of winning the not necessarily the war here, but as you know, as far as which ones are most popular, just because that's all we're really doing right now in the world of watching filmdom. To oh, be, totally beyond just you know owning tons of stuff, which which I do, but you know not everybody does. <laughs> physical <laughs> so, media,
1: you don't you don't need an internet connection to watch physical media. That's right.
0: <laughs> all right, that's uh that's our feedback for now, which is thank you which is where we ask questions on our Facebook page I I did mention that earlier Uh, but yeah that's where the answers came from so if you want to like our Facebook page you can do answer all those questions and more in the weeks to come let's uh let's move on now let's get to our second review for First Cow
1: what's your name? King Lou They call me Cookie my mother died when I was born and then my father died
2: I never stop moving. It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. You have a cow. First cow
0: in the territory.
2: Same place for cows. No, There's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. give me
0: another i'll give you six ingots for that last one i taste london in this game that should have been some of the trailer for first cow set in the late 1800s first cow tells the story of two men traveling in the oregon territory who form a friendship they eventually find themselves running a scam by secretly milking the cow to the first cow to arrive at the territory and selling baked goods to the locals based on the half-life by jonathan raymond who has written a few screenplays of director kelly Reichardt. First Cow initially hit theaters in limited release on the first week of March, only to contend with the pandemic, leading to its current VOD release. Mark, are you a fan of Kelly Reichardt's filmmaking style, and what do you think of First Cow?
2: So, um, as far as Kelly Reichardt is concerned, I've seen Wendy and Lucy. And I do—and then, of course, I've seen this as well— mm. and. She has a very minimalist style. Um, She's also directed Meek's Cut-Off, as you mentioned, and and Certain Women, and I think uh, her reliance on slow, static takes are definitely a a sort of a a focus of her filmmaking style, and they're really meant to be savored, as one would appreciate a very delicately balanced wine. Um, She's presenting truth, and I think the genuine friendship of, of two men that develops over time And that's very sincere depiction of humanity is what I really enjoy about her films. It actually – her film opens with a quote from the poet William Blake, and it's the bird, a nest, the spider, a web, man, friendship. And I think that quote is really a good way to start because it really sets the tone for the rest of the film. Um, She can get a bit indulgent. I think the director is – in absolutely no hurry to take this story anywhere quickly. And there are parts, I think, that do drag, however, I think for audiences with the patience to sort of luxuriate within a very deliberate pace, I think the rewards are indeed great. And I do have something to say about an editing choice, I don't know if I should do it now Mm. or if I should wait. It's sort of an aside. Well, now I'm, I'm
0: like going to be, be waiting in anticipation, so I'd rather just hear it right now,
2: I guess. Okay. <laughs> so the the late, great Filmer, Filmer Seymour Hoffman once said, the film is made in the editing room. And I think that truer words were never spoken. I am reminded of that quote when I watched the final scene of First Cow as it mm. faded from the screen. Now, the film – and I have to be delicate here – but the film opens – with a very seemingly random scene of a woman who happens upon something. (laughs) And then after that scene, we flash back to the current story at hand. I think that scene we watched in the film in the beginning should have been thrown at the very end of the film. And I think it would have made this film so much more powerful. Now, we as the audience, and I was able to assemble that (laughs) in my mind, but I think it would have – it's like a comedian telling a great joke or a punchline. I think if they had put that scene from the beginning at the end, it really would have punctuated the friendship a lot stronger. And there are details about that scene. I went back and rewatched it. There are details about that scene the beginning of the film that you won't be watching – you you won't notice. But at the end of the film, you see that, and it is powerful. Hmm. So anyway, I'll just say that. Okay.
0: I I would argue I would argue it's the correct approach they took here. I think a, I think a lesser movie makes it that obvious. Uh, I like that it does it that way because it rewards. I think it rewards the experience of watching it the first time and then having something to ponder and then wanting to come back to it again later on. Now this is getting into certain territory I don't want to get into right now. Right. But I'll just I, say it that I was pretty delicate.
2: I, I, didn't, I don't I understand that. No, I yeah. I just well, yeah, saying totally. I just saying
0: I I myself don't want to go further than that on this. Right. But I will say that in assembling my top 10 of the year so far and why I have this rank so high, it's my number 2 favorite so far this year. Part of it is because I found the ending to be that powerful because I it let me kind of like you mentioned assemble that yourself. I like I, that feeling I got from it made this made the film feel more powerful for me. Uh, I, I, I don't disagree that maybe there's a reaction I could have had if it was done otherwise, but based on the film I saw, I did get a sense of power from it that already enhanced what I thought was a really compelling viewing experience. For the whole film itself, yes, I really like this movie. I'm a big fan of it. We've talked about it plenty in other shows already. Uh, I do think a lot of that comes from the minimalist style, the way the friendship develops over the course of this film and the kind of very deliberate pacing you see to kind of get you in a rhythm of seeing how these these two men interact uh king lou played by orion lee and cookie played by john Magaro. i i do think that they're it's very naturalistic uh that's not overdoing anything as far as how they respond to each other and others for that matter i the the way it progresses into like an actual plot, um, kind of an hour in when like things start right. happening, I guess. I, I really like that we had this time to really sit with these characters first off. I know that could be off-putting to others. I like that kind of thing when you have a, and I don't disagree as far as yes, like letting you luxuriate in that amount of time. Like you mentioned, Mark, I do think that could be trying for some audiences and I can understand. Yeah, you could maybe there's a way to shorten that up and perhaps that, you know, makes a better viewing experience some. I can't say I was put off by it. I will just say that I was just happy spending that time and taking in the the wild that we're watching, taking in the frontier, taking in this environment. Um, for a movie like this that, as mentioned many times already, is Minimalist. Seeing so much of this world presented this way, given that it was filmed now and there's no special effects here, I like that they found like places in the presumably Mm -hmm. Oregon territory or whatever they went to film this that, you know, really evoke a certain kind of feeling that reminds you of past. Mm It's
2: so authentic. Yes. Like, you know, I mean, in look, the feel, the way they present humanity, like there's never any doubt that Kelly Reichardt knows how to present reality in a very honest and true way. So that I 100 percent I agree.
0: Yeah. And so that stuff all really works for me. And then, yes, you get to kind of the more plot heavy elements and i found that very entertaining as well you get you get some more characters in there where there's toby jones ewan bremner mm-hmm. uh i like seeing gary farmer in here he's in uh, D- jim jarmusch's dead man as well as a small spot in ghost dog So it's like oh cool he's still working and then lily gladstone who's very good in um certain women reichardt's previous film um she has very little to do in this movie but i mean it they they certainly have a, a cast of supporting players here that fill out the world well enough given the environment they're in and establishing some kind of personality to go along with everything. And we haven't even talked about the cow, the star of this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. What a great cow. Elsie, all, right? Yes, Elsie. Always Elsie? Hit, oh, always, Elsie? Always hit her mark and, uh, you know, just delivering the milk when needed. But those oily cakes and the biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> <those> <laughs> oily looked, cakes. Those looked yeah, amazing. Like, oh, my yeah, God. Exactly. I, I, with uh, the honey... Uh, yes, just like, and a little the, bit of cinnamon. Yes, just the the <laughs> detail, and that's and that's a lot. That's like that's the stuff that I I <laughs> always like in movies. Right. Seeing that process, seeing the little things that led up to making the reward, and then you see that reward being basically cherished, almost coveted by everyone that comes across them. It's like this is wonderful. I really like that that element a lot, and that leads into another aspect of the film where suddenly there's like a level of tension that I did not expect (laughs) to come out of all of this. So I just Mm -hmm. I was really into this movie. Hey, what would you think of uh, First Cow? First Cow is
1: um, I think that you guys have both said it where uh, uh, on first watch I wasn't sure where it was going to go, right? I I didn't know what this movie was about. I had heard about it from Alex Billington and and Aaron uh, but I hadn't heard or I hadn't read anything I haven't seen any trailers and then when I'm watching through I'm thinking to myself oh, I wonder if this is going to be the way that I've envisioned these tales of going to the Oregon coast along the Oregon or what have you to be, because it opens up the, these fur trappers and there are these gruff dudes. And so you start thinking about movies like – um what was that? What was that? Leonardo DiCaprio. The movie? Revenant. The Revenant where it's like, oh, right. we're going to be stuck in like really harsh terrain and we're going to have to fight off all these Native Americans or whatever the case is. It's like it actually doesn't do any of that. <laughs> like it's very quiet the way that you guys have described it, mm-hmm. and I I think that I was on pins and needles almost the whole entire time because I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Is, is he gonna get like, is his foot gonna get caught in like caught in a bear trap? It's like none of that happens. It's it's literally like this guy. There is who nobody like They're there no, there is, there is, yeah.
2: They're handing out the cakes and they're like, you should make more.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, I'm they're like, like oh, what does like, that mean? <laughs> Right, like when you guys were mentioning like the cow part, that that gets really interesting. But beyond that, like earlier, on, early on, when you're just watching this movie, it is really nice to see these things where it's like I'm gonna deliberately pace this and I'm gonna make this so that you're just gonna watch these guys travel through. You know that this guy, like Cookie, he's kind of not really well liked, but at the same time, like he's like your go to guy. And then you start learning more about him. Same thing with like uh, King Lou, where it's like. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what's going on here. He's I don't know how gone. he got here because he just yeah, mentions he's like there's Russians after, like, chasing first... me. <laughs> like... Right, yeah. And then like these Russians are chasing him. It's like, what's going on here? And then they, it all comes back together. I mean, there's like a bar fight with like a
0: baby. And like, there's that, a baby I... at a bar where there is a bar fight, to be clear. <laughs> to be clear.
1: <laughs> right, right. Some drunkard doesn't I, challenge
0: else? the baby to the fight. The baby's like, Bring yeah. on.
1: And, and then what I was worried about was like, oh, well, who's going to take this of This baby's like, the baby's going to be fine. Like, The baby's not the the premise of this movie. And so when you get to the whole entire like, well, why don't you just come over? It's like, is this going to be a movie where I think it's going to go and take some chances here? It's like it actually doesn't really do that. But at the same time, it still takes some chances Um, in There's that. There's some it's,
0: undercurrents, I would say. it's
1: some as, undercurrent, yes. Yeah. And Mark, you described it in the way that you vaguely described like these, these two, a few scenes. But for the most part, I, I really enjoyed that. It's like, hey, let's just try and make our living here because um, you start to develop... It, it's almost like this Lenny Carl, except, you know, less uh, less Lenny. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like... What I mean by that is, like, somebody, one of them has really big ambitions, and then the other one doesn't really have as many ambitions. And that makes a fascinating, like, dichotomy of, like, well, you know, we should... We should really save up and try and open up a hotel in San Francisco. Um, and it's like, well, no, maybe we should make more money here first. It's like I, I the, just like the thrill of having it all. And then what I liked about it is like all these like minutia things where it's like uh, let's just start charging people for these honey cakes or these oily cakes. Um, and then when they when, when you see like their the money that they get back, it's like bones, like small little like um, cuts. In cuts. in cuts, yeah, like these little small little gems, maybe some silver pieces. It's so fascinating. Just like, well, no, we're gonna accept barter for this too. So like I think you guys said, like the the quote unquote realism of being in like the eighteen sixties or what have you. Mm-hmm. That's very cool to see. And I was reminded of like uh, Aaron Aaron and I like this movie a lot, of Slow West, where it was like oh, yeah. it's a movie about the West, but it's not the way that you think about like it's not unforgiven, or it's not like the yeah. Postman or whatever. These are, these, you know?
0: these are both A24 Westerns.
1: So. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, other things happened than like people come into your city with like black masks on and like trying to like take your territory. It's like, you know, other things like nothing happened. So overall, like I enjoyed the movie more after I finished watching it because I then understood <laughs> what the movie was trying to do. Like while I was watching, I kept on thinking about all these like surprises and none came, which is not a bad thing. It's just more of like, oh, wow, I really liked the the niceness of this movie.
0: You're not not out of touch here as far as how you're describing your reaction to this, because I can't say that I walked away feeling like blown away, but I did really like it. But then upon further thought and then, you know, generally happens when I'm writing something, I'm either thinking more fondly of it or thinking lesser of it. uh, I started to appreciate a lot of the little details that I remembered and wanted to describe more and more because – there's for being a minimalist film I think there's a lot going on here I mean we we've talked about some possibly subdued themes involving the friendship but there's also just things like class dichotomy right I mean which right. has been explored a lot in recent years and recent films and various genres. I mean, and, and I didn't even get to the cow you know right. what I, mean? I mean I know cool. the
2: by the way i i I want to apologize the Evie is Evie, the name the of the cow, cow. Evie, Not, yes, yes, yes. yeah I misidentified her so mm-hmm. Evie she mm-hmm. is beautiful by the way like it's she a great is now like, a
1: great-looking cow. I don't know how cows are graded, but they probably, <laughs> like, you know, they probably saw a lot of cows. But, like, whatever, whatever – wh- they whoever casted this cow, great eye, great eye. She's well, one, beautiful.
2: One thing also I, I want to just uh, point out. Uh, so actor Orion Lee, who plays King Lou, he's kind of the brains of the operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, John – Magaro is playing cookie who is more like the the, the worker that's doing the stuff but anyway I want to uh, King Lou there's one part and I won't spoil the line because I think it's really clever but there's a part where the guys are eating the the prospectors are eating the cakes and they're like why, why does this taste so good and he has a response yeah, yeah, yeah. As, yeah. To, as to why and I think that just really exploits stereotypes but in a subtle way it's right. kind of and he does it in just the right way, and it's just beautiful. So yeah,
1: and uh, you know, we talked about like um as the movie progresses, you start learning more about these characters, or you, I guess you you start feeling more for these characters. Sure. And what I really like is like when they're, you know, they're they're doing their little heist at night, but like when he starts talking to the cow, and he's just so really like, hey. You know, like he's he's kind of just like telling the cow about his day and like what they're trying to do, and it's like it's very soothing for for whatever reason. Oh,
0: there's plenty of I'm sure college papers that could be written about what the cow means in this movie, but I, mean, <laughs> I, I do like that. Yes, it it is a certain kind of. I don't want to say spiritual, but there is a kind of like life essence that comes from this cow that's sure. beyond just the milk that it's getting them. Um also speaking of the cow again, great entrance in the, I mean, when I think of great entrances in movies, there's Omar Sharif in Lawrence of Arabia and Evie in First Cow. Like it just <laughs> arrives on this on yeah, this on this rack. Like, yeah, <laughs> and the music's really nice and everything. It's just like, yeah, the the cows arrived. The movie started. Like we waited forty five <laughs> minutes, are... but now the cow's here. <laughs> like, right. Uh, but no, I I hear what you're saying. Yes, I do. And just the little details, even there, when they're going to get that, you know, they have to climb over a thing. They have the stool ready so he can sit on the stool, and the bucket ready so they can put the milk in the bucket. The guy looks out in the tree. Like there's all these little things on how they run this business, um, and the kind of the twists that takes as far as who they're delivering the baked goods to. Like that's right. there, there's a lot of, you know, as much as this movie's not about story, it's fun to see what things kick in to kind of provide some momentum in what's happening.
1: Well, I mean, like one of the one of the largest themes that I took away from this and this is there's so many of them here when you start when you start diving into it mm-hmm. is, you know, the sense of capitalism. Right. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, What could have I, I think King Lou says this at one point, he's just like there's just so much that's untapped, like we're basically like in this like new world, so to speak. Right. And they, they were to some degree. And it was kind of just fascinating how, like, again, his mindset is like, let's just. We can make the most of who we are. Like, let's make new lives for ourselves.
2: So, I mean, they're essentially they're entrepreneurs and yeah. my heart wanted that to succeed. I think that kind of spirit should be rewarded. So yeah. that's sort of one of the themes.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I have no problem with them charging whatever they're going to charge for these these oily cakes. It's because, hey, you know, we're providing you a service and it's great, but. When Toby Jones shows up, I totally forgot. I saw his name because the way that they do the credits in this movie. It's a very long cred- opening credits sequence. Very long, but <laughs> there's got over, nice over <laughs> Nice
2: overture in this film. Well, <laughs> the, you can so only there's, read the names. There's the credit sequence, and then there's like a barge that yeah. like... That confused me. I was like, <sighs> and I was like, like okay, this... Movie? this is an indulgence right here so yeah,
0: yeah. It, you do see a lot of that barge i don't disagree <laughs>
1: <laughs> and great sound design because it goes from left to cha- to right <laughs> left channel to right channel um but when toby jones shows up i totally forgot he was going to be in the movie because you're just been you're just so much in the lives of these two guys um at this time now but when he shows up yes you guys are totally right that there is much more tension because of the cow um and then, I, but I love Toby Jones. Aaron, you were saying this about uh, tasting London. I
0: taste London in this cake.
1: <laughs> yeah, but beyond that, I love when he's like, "Can you make this like whatever?" He's I forget the name of the of the dessert. Oh,
0: it's uh, what is it called? A uh, martino. Uh, oh, it's like a kaflutas
1: or. Uh, I, let's go with kaflutis. But I like how he's just like <laughs> I want to I want to show him up. Like he uses other language. He uses like much meaner language, but he's like. Can you make the one with blueberries? Because you know, I want to show him that he's an asshole. That he doesn't know how to, what these things actually taste like. You know, and I I just love that part about um Toby Jones.
0: This is a great opportunity just to say how great Toby Jones is in movies because he can play. He's played a lot of different kinds of people in different films. <laughs> so it's like there's mm-hmm. another one. Um, yes, he's he's a very reliable character actor. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I the other thing that I kind of want to touch upon and ask you guys about is um. At what point did you guys feel as though like the dam was gonna break, or they were gonna were they gonna get out of a situation? Like oh, the, they...
0: the 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 second he has to they have to go to his house and start doing okay. more, I'm like, well, something needs to happen here. <laughs> like, okay.
1: to be... Yeah, because I wasn't sure. Cause for me, and and I'd love to hear your your part, Mark. For me, it was like when when they're just deciding should we go do should we go get some more milk, like an extra cup of milk or whatever the case is, and I was like. I don't know what's gonna happen here, but I don't know how long this movie's been going on either. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say probably around the same same moment.
1: Yeah. Um. But as far as. But, like by the way,
2: I think yeah. it's clafouti. There you Klau go. Yeah, there Klau Klau, you go. Klau, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying it like an American.
1: <laughs> I I mean with I can't remember.
2: With it, the so s and everything,
1: clafouti. T. Uh, but as far as like the movie goes, I mean, it's. I, I I honestly was like I don't think there's enough cow in this movie. Yeah, there could be. I mean, I'm not
0: going to argue with that. There's got there's, there's yeah. plenty more cow. This <laughs> for a movie
2: called First Cow. I was like, I don't think there's enough cow here. <laughs> well, it, you have to build up to it. That's why the entrance was so grand. Yeah, the, yeah like, the entrance. There is the, is the cow. And again, I know, I know what you're
0: you saying. Know. Like, if this was more modeled off of, like, Butch and Sundance and, like, the part where they go down, you know, down south of the border, like, just like they bring Catherine Ross with them, these guys should have brought the cow with them if, when they're, right. you know, <laughs> starting to get into some heavy, heavy areas. But I'm not going to fault the movie too much for it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good cow in this. Yeah,
2: yeah there's a scene, actually, where uh, a Cookie is, like petting the cow in the presence of uh, the owner, uh, of the cow. <laughs> G-Factor and everybody. And I kind of feel like, you know what? That cow looks like he likes him more. He, they should just take him.
1: That was a funny part. Right?
2: right, right. That sort of awkward, like... He's
1: yeah. just, like, pushing the head away.
2: Pretend you don't know me.
1: Right. It. Um, And I not think not. that the other part where I was like, oh, wow, this is... I don't know how true to life it was, but I, just, I appreciated that they take it very seriously... Was when the trouble does happen, and the consequences are death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other, there's no trial here. It's just more of like, it was, it was stealing of people on their property. But at the same time, it's like, we're not gonna try and talk this out. You're just gonna die. And so, of course, yes, you should run. And I think that that was like, wow, that's uh, of course you would do that back in like whatever when when. You know, nature was. You well, were the quote unquote the king of your of your kingdom.
2: Yeah, I mean it's the American frontier. It is wild, untamed, you know, land and people. So that mm-hmm. it's always. I mean, we've seen this time and a time and again in, in cinematic movies that this is a rough and tumble world. So which yeah. is
0: which is part of why I think um, Reichard has a good handle on this because it's not that she's not trying to portray that, but there is a different approach that she's taking. Whether this or Meeks cutoff. That emphasizes a level of something more tender, I guess is the way to right. put it. Like, and I, I think that you know, in the midst of all of the examples of the genre that I've seen, this is a, a nice addition to it as far as how to explore that further in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes the film feel you know refreshing in that sense. Not that I'm tired of other kinds of westerns, but it's like here's another sure. perspective on that genre.
1: Yeah, and I I can't remember, but was the opening frame with the barge? Is that the same? Is that the same ratio for the rest of the movie too?
0: Well the movie's 4 by 3 for the most part it, yeah, same with the, the, barge whole, part, yeah, the right? whole yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I believe the whole things okay. that way. I don't think it yeah, I don't think it like contracts after that. Scene. Right. Okay. But yeah. Well, I think we've talked a lot about First Cow. Um this movie's currently available on VOD. Um when should people go and see this movie? Should they rent it right away? Or what? Yeah, I I don't know if you need to run a row.
1: I mean, I, I feel on our this would be like a dollar movie theater for me, where it's like you don't have to run and see it. But at the same time, like it'd be cool to see it in theaters.
2: So for me, I think there are people that I would recommend this to right away, and I say mm-hmm. you need to you need to immediately see it. And there are other people that I think they're not going to appreciate the film's deliberate pace mm-hmm. and i would you know so you you've heard our review i think you know what kind of a person you are if it sounds like something that you would be interested in especially if you've seen um kelly reichardt's other films and you enjoyed yeah. them then you most definitely need to go see this film i i would agree and i
0: would even i would put this up in the the high tier of what her films have to offer with uh, i believe when new Lucy makes cut off for probably her best movies i i, I really it. like
2: wendy and lucy a lot yeah, yeah it's,
0: it's very good um but um no this i think this ranks very high as far as her from filmography, filmography goes but yeah I, i'm right there with you as far as yes there's a select audience for this film at the same time like, if you want to go by the theater scale because even you know even though that's not possible right now i think the idea of being you know secluded in a basically quiet area <laughs> right. where you're there's free from distraction i think that's a very ideal setting for a movie like this i do think yeah. it, it plays on the kind of like we mentioned the naturalism and the the setting of what have you it's serene to watch basically so
2: if you right. don't have like cars ser- screaming outside of you and whatnot and you can just watch this <laughs> movie in peace that's pretty preferred yeah <laughs> it's, it certainly isn't hindered by being on the small screen i think it's it's just as uh powerful that way as it would be on a big screen i mean of course a big screen is more enjoyable as far as the spectacle, but it, it's, it's an intimate drama.
0: Plus, mm-hmm. if you have an old fashioned convex TV, you can, you know, play it without having to adjust their, uh, the the black bars on top and bottom.
2: So. There you go. <laughs> um, so
0: get v- first cow on VHS is what I'm saying. <laughs> and adjust uh, your tracking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but all right. So we've reviewed first cow, uh, which I'm glad we all liked. I, I'm, I'm happy you both liked it. Cause I was looking forward to hearing what you had to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, But with that said, let's move on to our second round of feedback here.
1: Feedback, feedback. Feedback.
0: Once again, you can find these questions on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/podcast. We ask a number of listeners some questions. They give us some answers. First question we have here is, what are your favorite movie farm animals? Justin writes, Charlotte's Web, Sean the Sheep, and Ferdinand. Mm. Chris writes, Black Sheep. Irene has Babe. And Maxwell, a friend of the show, has Babe.
1: Those are some very friendly farm animals.
2: How about uh, T- Templeton from Charlotte's Web? Okay. You got yeah. them their supplies. Do you have any, Abe?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Babe is like. I babe, very babe obvious. is like yes, my go to. Right, uh, I'm I mean, gonna... it's, a, it's not a bad one, that's for sure. <laughs> so... Yeah. It, it, in, in Chicken Run, I'm not going to go with Mel Gibson's character. I'm going to go with uh, with What's Her Face's character.
0: The lead character in Chicken Run? That's yeah, but what is it? I forget um... the. Actors. Like my my default just, answer is it's probably Imadella Stalton. I don't know. She's no, in a lot she, of She's British. I forget. Julia She was in Goodwill Hunting. Julia Sahuala. No. <laughs> in Goodwill Hunting. Mini Driver's not in Chicken Run. She's not? No. <laughs> And to my my credit, Imelda Stunn is in Chicken Run, just by the way. (laughs) She's she's not the lead, but she is in Chicken (laughs) Run. Miranda (laughs) Richardson? Miranda Richardson. Uh,
1: Yeah, sure. Any of those. Jane Horrocks is in it. (laughs) Driver. All right. Well, uh, anyway. Um, What are your favorite films featuring the American Frontier? Chris says Bone Tomahawk uh, has more than just uh, the American Frontier in that one. Um, the Wild Bunch and Blazing Saddles, Irene adds Jeremiah Johnson, Jeff has Almost Heroes, Tombstone, and The Magnificent Seven, uh, Justin has Back to the Future Part 3, uh, 310 of Yuma, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Fistful of Dollars, and, well, you know it's coming, Wild Wild West.
0: I like how I can write three W's and we just know what he means. I, yeah, point. especially for Justin. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, My, we may, oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. I was going to say my answer is Ravenous, the wonderful horror cannibal comedy featuring Guy Pearce and uh, Robert Carlyle. It's a terrific mm. film, one of my favorites. We
2: we mentioned it while we were discussing the film, but uh, The Revenant. Yeah, yeah
0: that, that bear.
2: And then also, I don't think anyone said it, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, no, that's,
1: that's a great answer. I mean, he's finished. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mic <Mike>. drop. <laughs> my name is Daniel <laughs> Or I guess Playview. in this case, this is my
0: partner HW. Yeah. I'm an award a, man. Did He won
1: the he won the Academy Award. Of course, for that? yes,
0: he ate the okay. Academy Award. Yeah, because I
1: was like, you know, that scene alone where he puts like he the napkin. He ate the Academy Award plates? with a
0: milkshake. Exactly. He said, "I ate your Oscar. I ate it, it up."
1: Sense. I mean, I knew that the Oscar was chocolate underneath.
0: When the when the ceremony was over, he's like, "I'm finished." <laughs> so he, he walked out. <laughs> Our last question here: <laughs> <laughs> What food, what food item did you see in a movie that you immediately wanted to eat for yourself? Mm. Chris has everything in Chef and nothing in Hook. <laughs> Farron has I'll follow Chris, Chris here and say the apple strudel in Inglorious Bastards and nothing in Indiana Jones and in the Temple of Doom. Oh. Jim Mede, friend of the show, has everything in Zero Dreams of Sushi. Ruben writes Cuban sandwich in Chef the Cubano. Justin has everything in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original. Mm. He wrote that. Maxwell has the pasta and grilled cheese in Chef. And my lovely girlfriend Anna wrote the grilled cheese and the berries and cream from Chef. A lot of chef love here.
2: Yeah. So I I will say everything in The 100-Foot Journey. Mm. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then uh, the movie I Am Love, there was a Uh scene where Tilda Swinton eats some prawns that is like very – beautifully filmed. Uh, and then uh, Chocolat, the, all the candy confections oh, yeah. in that film.
0: Was there candy in that movie? Mm-mm. Um, there was yeah. a
2: few. I mean, you know, you have to look hard for it. But
0: <laughs> I, th- I think uh, Marcus Robbins in front of the show, his answer would be the pie from Ghost Story.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just eating all of it in one go.
0: Sure. Um, there was a reference to Inglorious Bastards, and that actually is one of my go-tos as far as just things that look delectable. It is that's the very tense scene where Hans Landa... As um, Shoshana cornered in the restaurant, and he's talking to her, and he asked for an apple strudel, and then he asked for the whipped cream. And just the way Tarantino shoots that entire segment, and the way he shoots the cream, and how it's used and everything, it's like, this is incredibly tense. Also, I can't wait to have an apple strudel of my own with whipped cream on it. (laughs) I mean, it gets even more tense when he's like, she'll have milk. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yes. (laughs) Where it's like, uh, first of all, why'd you order for me? But second of all, it's creepy that you know who I am. (laughs) anything in spirit away there you go spirit away yeah of course yeah all those all those drawn animated foods right, okay what, so uh,
2: ratatouille yeah. in guess Ooh, What? Of course. What, guess, guess what film.
0: film uh finding emo um i want <laughs> to John's. ratatouille yes yeah great moment great moment for all of us critics out there <laughs> all those anton egos but um yeah, no, lots of lots of good food movies out there for sure. But these oily cakes in this movie, guys, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs>
1: I know, I was wondering, like, I wonder what, could I get a modern-day version of that? Probably, right?
0: Yeah, no, you can go, I, I'll i put the link in the show notes. There's a link. Oh, there's, how there's to, like, in, a recipe from no, a Yeah, there's a recipe on how to make oily cakes so that are seen in the First Cow for sure. I can, I can throw that in there for sure, so stay it tuned. In yeah um well guys with that that's our reviews for greyhound and first cow along with all our listener feedback so that's going to have to wrap it up for this week's episode you can find more of my work at my personal blog thecodesy.com everything i do ends up over there you can also find me writing uh, criterion reviews at ysq.com and movie reviews at we Live entertainment and i'm on twitter at Aaron's ps4 abe Find more fun stuff over my instagram
1: abe.mula and twitter.com slash walrus moose hashtag needs more cow
0: mark hoban where can people find more of your work online
2: uh, my personal blog, uh, FastFilmReviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. You can
0: find all the other episodes about now if they're in a name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher.
1: You can also find us over at HHWLOD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic.
0: Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Or write on our physical wall at slash or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast.
0: And make sure to follow us all as well on instagram.com slash podcast. Uh, Mark Hobe, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank
2: you, yeah, Mark. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm glad I got to talk about two films that I enjoyed.
0: Good. No, glad to have you. Glad to talk about some good movies. And yeah, we'll, uh, as we continue figuring things out, as the, the calendar becomes more and more mixed, we'll uh, be back next week with another new episode. But until next time, so long. And goodbye. close like, my door and turn my fan off to prevent less, more noise right. so by the end of this i'm going to be sweating as i normally am when <laughs> i do that during july uh, all
2: right podcasting is hard work i know it is. Ooh, but at least I if you're not sweating you're not doing it right